Hello again, everyone. My name is David Vastel alongside David Oikel, and this is the Real Estate Edition podcast. It is cottage season across Ontario, and what better guest to have on the program than Michelle Kelly, editor of Cottage Life magazine and the host of the Cottage Life podcast. David, cottage real estate across the province continues to be hot property. You're absolutely right, Dave. I mean, we've heard a lot about uh, lack of supply of real estate around the province and maybe never more so than uh, than for cottages. People want to get out of the city, uh, need more space uh, spread out over the last year and a half. They're able to work from the cottage. So demand for cottages has never been higher and uh, lots of things to talk about. And Michelle will take us through all of those things. And before we get to our conversation with Michelle, be sure to subscribe to the Real Estate Edition podcast wherever you're listening. Now, here's our chat with Michelle Kelly. You're listening to this month's episode of the Real Estate Edition with host Dave Bastel and ARIA president David Oikel. <laughs> For our new listeners, this is Michelle's fourth time on the Real Estate Edition podcast. It's awesome talking to you once again, Michelle. Uh, and, and, and for anybody that doesn't know who you are, can you kind of explain your position at Cottage Life and uh, a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, yes. Um, thanks for having me on, first of all, Dave. I, I appreciate you guys um, you know, giving profile to the magazine, to the brand, um, and just chatting about Cottage Real Estate, which is, you know, going through an unbelievable time right now. Um, for people who don't know me, I am uh, the editor at Cottage Life and I oversee the magazine content and the um, cottagelife.com, our social media. I'm the host of the Cottage Life podcast, which we're in season two of, or about to release season two on June 30th and have a new episode out every week this summer. And I'm involved with um, doing some live events at the Cottage Life shows, which we have across the country um, each year and um, yeah work a little bit with the folks on Cottage Life Television as well so I've um, been with the brand for more than 20 years and uh, you know it's definitely something cottaging really runs deep for me I grew up going to a cottage in eastern Ontario and um, my family sold that cottage about 10 years ago but since then I've been renting mostly over on Lake Huron which is a completely different experience but wonderful and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a diehard cottager. It doesn't feel like summer until I've dipped my toe in one of the lakes in Ontario, for sure. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's fantastic, uh, Michelle. I'm in eastern Ontario. I'm in Ottawa. So what, uh, what lake were you on over here? Oh, nice. So uh, my mother is actually from Westport, Ontario. Yes. And I still have lots. She's a big Irish family and I have tons of families still in the area. And we were on the Upper Rideau Lake. Yep. Um, until 2010, I think was when we saw 2010 or 2011, I'm sorry. So, uh, so yeah, this is our 10th summer at the cottage. So yeah, I love that area. It's kind of a hidden gem in my mind a little bit, having grown up in Toronto because very few people go that far East. Um, but if you live in Ottawa, wow, you're so lucky. You're right on the doorstep of the Rito, which is so beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, it, it certainly. I had I helped a client uh, buy a property on uh, on Aparito recently, and I think a bunch of Toronto buyers have found it because we had to compete pretty hard for the property. So, Is that right? Oh yeah, well, I so, hope I, I suspect my family is probably part of that because we we ended up selling to a few friends there. But yes, um, it's a great lake. It's a great lake. So, uh, what's your favorite part about going to a cottage? Oh. Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, it's funny for me because it's my work as well as something that I, you know, would choose to do regardless of, of work. So it's it's a little bit difficult for me to switch my brain off when I get there, which is funny because most people 
that's what they like is they like the fact that they go and it's a complete escape. That's what I hear so often. It's an escape from my everyday life. And for me, ultimately, that's what it is too, you know, and, and just being able to be somewhere away from the, you know, general busyness of life, being able to be on the lake, you know, there's something so restorative for me uh, about looking out over a lake and watching the sunset with a drink in hand and all that stuff sounds like a cliche, but like the truth is it really does get into your bones and you start to really feel your shoulders come down. And uh, so, you know, I love that about the cottage and I love also, you know, not, not just the proximity to nature, but the time that you can spend with your family. I think, you know, for me, that's a big deal and watching my kids do all the things that I did when I was little and, uh, you know, taking such joy and simple pleasures, playing in the waves and, you know, it's, it's, it's little stuff, getting an ice cream in town at the end of the day, all that stuff that they really love is, is a really, you know, it's just a wonderful um, tradition. And, and, uh, and I love being able to take my kids there and, and have them experience the same things that I did when I was little. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it certainly is. And the uh, cottage country life, the market itself, as, as we all know, is extremely popular right now, maybe even at the highest peak we've ever seen it in our lifetime. Uh, I've even read that cottage country sales last winter alone were up 30% from the same time the year before. What are your thoughts of the influx of people that are looking to buy a cottage? And, and what are you hearing? Yeah, so, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great. The more people who can enjoy it, I think, you know, it's part of the Canadian cultural fabric to enjoy the great outdoors in the wilderness. And we have so much of it here. We're so blessed in that way. And I think it's great when more people can, can, can enjoy it. And I think, you know, cottage, cottages have often been referred to as sort of bastions of privilege and places where, you know, you have to have a lot of money to, to get in. And I think that this recent explosion is perhaps accelerating that to some extent. But on the other hand, we're also seeing all sorts of trends that actually make it more accessible to more people. Um, you know, the amount of people that I hear from who, um, you know, share a cottage, they go into, they, they buy a cottage with family members or with friends, and they're able to, you know, you afford it because of that. Or, you know, another huge trend are young people buying cottages before they're buying houses in the city, you know, the skip the house buy the cottage um, trend, which is allowing people who it's not, you know, they're not mega privileged people in the sense they have lots of money to buy a second property, they're, they're you, they're choosing to prioritize a recreational property and perhaps renting in the city. And then another trend too, which I think is just all mixed up in all of all of the, you know, just the explosion of cottaging in general is the explosion of cottage renting. Mm -hmm. um, something of a fraught um, topic in that there's a there there are problems I think for in the minds of you know cottagers who own that people are coming and overusing the lakes or they're not respecting sort of the norms of being quiet or respecting the environment um, when they come and rent. But on the other hand, I do also think that that's a pretty small proportion of people. And in general, cottage renters of whom I, I will and I am one, you know, they love the, they love the cottage and they do respect the norms that are set within um, specific cottage areas of, you know, around safety and, and etiquette and whatnot. And, and I think, again, it's rent, renting is fantastic because it gives people access to the wilderness that perhaps would not be able to buy. Um, and it's their opportunity for everyone to come and, you know, enjoy time on the lakes, which I, I think, again, is a really important part about being Canadian in my mind. So um, I think that I've had a lot of emails from people, uh, friends of mine even, hey, should I buy this cottage? Should I buy this cottage? And <laughs> It, it kind of blows my mind. Some of them, it's like the amount that they're being um, offered at 
like feels like last summer it would have been half as much. Yeah. You know, and I've heard I've heard bonker stories about, you know, empty lots, east facing for a million bucks and all this kind of stuff that, you know, it, it really does spin my head a little bit. Um and I think I'll be interested to see over the next sort of 12 months or the next, you know, once we get through this summer and we go into next year to see if, you know, a lot of people I think bought cottages to 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 stay at during the pandemic. And now that the pandemic hopefully is is coming to a conclusion. Will they stick with cottaging now that they can, you know, go on on broader vacations? Will we have, you know, um, a glut of listings? I mean, that seems unlikely given how high demand is, but it will be interesting to see if all of those people sort of choose to exit the market in the same way that they entered the market so quickly in, um, you know, this time last year. So, you know, there's lots of stuff going on more than, as you just said, really in my lifetime and in certainly my time working on cottage life more than I can ever recall how many trends are sort of intersecting. Yeah. Uh, at this moment, for sure. It's interesting the renting element deal. My client rented uh, on two property on, on two lakes last year. Uh, rented on Charleston Lake and Upper Rideau and uh, right. a big Rideau, and said that's the one I want to buy on. So they used it as an opportunity to try out the lake in his mind to figure out where he wanted to buy. So um, uh, lots of opportunities for that. Yeah. So turning to those looking to buy their first cottage, um, you know, I know some prospective buyers can get overwhelmed, uh, to, like buying their first home and don't know where to start when they begin their cottage hunt. You mentioned this on your website, uh, but what are some of the big questions that first time cottage buyers should ask their realtors? Yeah, so great question. I mean, buying a cottage is not like buying a city home. You know, there there's a lot of differences. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but I think the main ones really are a septic system. That's a big thing. Yep. You know, you're in the city, you're used to having on municipal water, municipal sewer, and it's, you know, you don't even think about it. Um, at the cottage, if you're not thinking about it, you're sooner or later going to have a very big problem if you're not thinking about your septic system, for example. Um, you know, and it goes hand in hand a little bit with that is that your water source, you know, are you getting your water from the lake? Are you getting it from a well? Um, how do you man manage and maintain both of those sources? Really important uh, and things you, you may not think about and not just think about, you know, whether or not they exist, but think about when you're purchasing, you know, this is why it's so important to use a local realtor. You really do have to rely on your realtor to tell you, um, you know, what are the questions? If so, yeah, there's a septic system, but what do I ask about the septic system? Like, how old it is? Uh, do I inspect the septic bed? Do I need a separate inspection for the septic system? So all that kind of stuff that you really may not have any idea about. You, you, you should definitely be re relying on your realtor for that kind of information. Um, and another thing I think that's, you know, a very 2020, 2021 problem or sort of consideration is Wi-Fi. You know, I've heard stories, a horror story, in fact, about a young woman from Toronto who first time property buyer bought a place in Prince Edward County at the beginning of the pandemic, when, you know, it became apparent she would be working from home for quite some time. So she bought a place sight unseen because properties were just going like hotcakes in that area. She finally gets out there. She moves in. She goes to set up her Internet and she realizes she, she can't cannot get the Internet. <laughs> so that sort of changes her plan on how to work from home. So, again, those are questions like that's a big big deal. If you're buying a cottage intending to use it as your office and you cannot get online, you know. 
I think the problem is pretty obvious. So that's the kind of thing that I think is really important that, you know, you really consider with a cottage and, and, you know, those are the differences, the sort of the top differences I would suggest too. And, and there's another one too, that I mentioned to people all the time who are buying is to make sure they know what it's like in all seasons. So if you buy in summer and there's lots of leaves on the trees, for example, and you're going to live there all year round or choose to use it all year round, are you okay with how close you seem to your neighbors once all the leaves fall off the trees? <laughs> little stuff like that. I think you need to be, you need to be really aware of, and again, not stuff that you think about in the city at all. So, you know, start with what are the differences with the cottage property and like really drill into those um, and, and, and when you're making your, your purchasing decisions, I think that's key. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of touched on some of that. So like, like continuing on that, what are some of the features buyers should look to avoid? Is, is there a list of those things as well, Michelle? Yeah. I mean, this is obviously really personal, right? Because what yeah. people look for in a, in a cottage is different, right? So I might really like fishing. So it's pretty great for me that I'm in a shallow weedy lake because lots of fish are there. If I'm a cottager who really likes swimming, I don't like that lake, you know, so it's, it's really, it's really personal, like what you like. Um, I think some things that I would personally caution against, and this is again on that same thing I was talking about with the neighbors just now is like, is the neighbors, you know, can you, if you're living somewhere at a cottage and you don't like your neighbors, like that's a big deal. And it's a big deal for a lot of reasons. For one, they can really impede, you know, maybe they're all night partiers and you just want to go bird watching. Well, those two things don't mix so well, right? So it, it does pay to do a little bit of, of investigation around that because people tend to get to their cottage and live pretty pretty large and free. And if you're not inter- interested, mm-hmm. it's not, again, not like the city, right? You can't just close your door and shut out the world to, to the same extent. So your neighbors are really important. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Um, I would say another super important thing that you can't change is your view. You know, I often say to people, you can buy a cottage that's falling down. And if it has an amazing, if you like the sunset and has a beautiful Western view and you, you're going to spend every single day with your back to that falling down cottage while you appreciate the sunset, well, you can fix the cottage. You cannot fix the sunset. You can't move the sunset, right? So, you know, that to me is, a, is an absolute deal breaker. If that's something that you're really committed to, you know, your view and what you're looking out over is incredibly important because it's not changeable. So to me, those are, are really the, the key things, neighbors and uh, uh, view. And I mean, and then there's the most obvious things like location, of course, like sure. do you want to be on an island? Do you want to be on main, main property? I think island properties seem really attractive to a lot of people because you know, it's your own little island away from it all, but maybe not as great on Friday night when you just fought the traffic and you're trying to get a load of groceries and kids and bags and all that junk into the cottage and it's pouring rain and <laughs> you know, you're in a boat going across a busy lake. And so, you know, you just have to be thinking through that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting uh, about thinking about the summer versus winter, you know, when we again purchased this cottage, it was like, uh, as the realtor, I said, who maintains the road in the winter? Cause we knew we, we could see the full-time folks who were along there. And they said, uh, Bob plows it. I said, can I get some more details on Bob <laughs> and the financial <laughs> arrangements? Because, yeah. you know, cause my client plans on being there the full, all year round. And so all the details about how life works, you know, 12 months of the year is certainly important. So that's a good one. So, uh, continuing on that. So what are you hearing people are looking for in a cottage recreational property this year? You mentioned Wi-Fi before, mm-hmm. you know, what else are people thinking about, uh, that uh, are coming hot topics this year? Yeah, I mean, Wi-Fi, of course, that's a that's massive for sure. I mean, we we just discussed that for obvious reasons with our new work from home culture. Wi-Fi is really important. Um, I think the other things that people 
people are thinking differently about now than they have before. And it does have to do with having a more flexible work schedule and working from home is, is your commute times. So traditionally, it's been the further you are from major centers, the, the less expensive, mostly, cottages are going to be um, because your commute's going to be longer and the traffic is bad and all of that stuff. I think now that people are having more flexible work schedules, to me, the commute is a different thing. People might be willing to consider a cottage that's a little bit further afield because their commute, they can leave at off-peak times for traffic. So, you know, what might be a Friday five o'clock commute of four hours might just be two and a half if you take the traffic out, right? So I think that's kind of making a difference to people is that they're able to to buy in areas where the, you know, the traffic isn't as much as a bother. Um, I think... I think too, you know, another big thing, people are thinking about the cottage as a full-time residence um, more than ever. And maybe having, if they have a family, maybe having their kids there even. So what are the schools like? How long do you have, does it take to get to them? Um, you know, it's still a recreational property, but they're using it as a full-time home, maybe with a small place in the city or maybe no place in the city at all, you know, so that's a difference I, I would say is, is important. Um, nowadays. And I think too, as we see, you know, this is a trend that was really in full swing before the pandemic began, but is now even more important with the pandemic is, you know, how close are you to services? Do you need to be near, near a hospital? Uh, and I think that's really important for people because they're thinking as they age, they want to be able to get to a hospital quickly if they need it. Or, you know, in a global pandemic, I think we all realize the importance of, of being close to access to care if we needed it, if something like that happens. So I think it's just a sort of more on people's minds um, than it used to be, you know, having access or the flip side of that is, you know, people because of the pandemic wanting to really be isolated in a way and having a spot where they can go to when everything goes pear-shaped. I think there is an element of that as well, um, which, you know, of course not for everyone, but it's something that, that people maybe think now more than ever. So a lot of sort of opposing trends in a sense. Yeah, and continuing on that, I mean, I think that, you know, in the past, you know, up until a year and a half ago, it might have been, I want to go away to unplug. And then we saw, well, now I can work from there. So now I got to plug in as well as unplug. And now with prices uh, being what they are, I mean, maybe it's a little more difficult to find an exclusively place just to unplug. And so it's probably a combination of both now in, in many markets. Or what do you, what do you think? Is, is that, is that true that it's probably a, a multifaceted place now is is it is it for both purposes now yeah you know it's so funny you asked me that question two or three years ago i remember saying to a lot of people like i wonder if what will happen is that it will be an actually it'll be a really attractive thing to have to be in a wi-fi hole like to be somewhere where you can't get coverage that it's actually a selling point because people are so addicted to being connected yeah. all the time and frankly are getting tired like and burning out. So having a place where you don't even have the option of going online is maybe the, the cure that pe some people need. And I used to say that, like, I wonder if places that don't have any connectivity will actually be more in demand. And then, of course, something happens that I never would have predicted in a million years, which is that, you know, suddenly we'd be working from home for a year and a half plus. Um, and that sort of turns that idea on, on its head. But I think, you know, I think it's the problem of being, um, a, you know, addicted to your Wi-Fi, as so many of us are, I think it exists at the cottage the same way it exists anywhere else, you know. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a whole other, frankly, whole other topic really talking about how people use, use their cottages as a place to either distance themselves from that or feel like they really need to have it because they are isolated. So, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. I don't really have the answer. 
to that question, but it is certainly something I've been thinking about. Yeah, definitely. Is. So uh, do you find the traditional cottage country life, uh, cottage country area expanding because of this demand? We we know like certain places like Muskoka or the Kawartha's are desirable because they're close to Toronto, but are, are people looking for something more affordable that, you know, are they venturing out to find this? Are there hotspots, Michelle, that there's, you know, people don't mind the four or five hour drive rather than, you know, it's close to Toronto. So we'll stay here depending on where you live, of course, across the province. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Dave, I always get into trouble when I answer this question because (laughs) then I say in a specific area and the people in that area say, don't tell anyone. We don't want people to know about us. Um, The secret spot, Michelle, tell us. Yeah, the secret, the secret. (laughs) I mean, I think you hit on it there when you said, um, you know, the distance from, from town, from, you know, by, by town, I mean Toronto, from Ottawa, from major centers. Exactly. Is really the, the and I think that, again, it's a lot more um, attractive to Cottage and Bancroft if you live in downtown Toronto now when you know you can leave Thursday at 11 a.m. Um, than it would be if you knew you were going to sit in traffic for two hours Friday at 5 so I think that that has really opened up, you know, opened the eyes of potential buyers in major centers um, because they are able to think about traveling more. It's not, it's not, it's not as onerous perhaps as it, as it was pre-pandemic even. Yep. Um, and I think too, you know, the fact is many of those more traditional areas, you know, Muskoka, Corthas, I sort of think Muskoka, Corthas, Halbert and Georgian Bay, like they're pricey, they're very pricey. And while there are still deals, of course, within those areas, you know, people think of Muskoka as being, you know, huge mansions on Lake Rosso. And while, of course, that that element exists for sure, there's also smaller, many smaller lakes there with more simple places that are certainly more affordable than those big three lakes. So I think it's really just a matter of like looking around and and being really clear about your budget, you know, all the same things we anyone buying any piece of real estate should be on top of. But um, I think, you know, all the demand is probably driving up prices more than anything, really. And that demand exists all over Ontario, not just, you know, Muskoka, Corthas, yeah. Georgia, Maine, Albert. So it, it, do you, you know, moving into 2021 and the summer's basically been here for the last couple of months. Do you do you mm-hmm. find or do you see people maybe staying away from beach towns like Grand Bend or Wasaga to avoid the pack shores? Can you see that as, as uh, somewhat of a trend mm-hmm. to... You know, I don't want to go there because it's simply too busy, Michelle. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, just speaking personally, I'll give you a personal anecdote. I am renting a cottage next weekend um, because we were supposed to travel at West, my family. And, you know, we canceled that trip because of the pandemic. And we're going to go to a cottage on the Bruce Peninsula. And and it was it's sort of near Sobel Beach. And, and I don't really want to go to Sobel Beach for the reason you just said. Like, yeah. I, I live downtown in Toronto. I don't want to be around people anymore. I need a break. And and I think we're so acutely aware of that because of COVID, of how close we are to people, right? So I think it, but again, that's a personal thing. It right. depends. A lot of people really miss, miss Wasaga Beach. They miss going there and being in kind of a scene. That's like a fun beach town. And they want that because they haven't had it for so long because of the pandemic. So again, it's kind of a personal thing. And just thinking about what what you want, I think, an issue on that Western shore more than anything in sort of the Grand Bend crowded beach Wasaga is um, something that's been an issue for the last couple of years, which is water levels. 
um, you know, that that water has been incredibly high and eating up a lot of the beach, in fact. And I think that this year I've heard that it's a bit lower, which is good news for cottagers, more beach for them to sort of frolic on. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, one trend comes and another one comes in, you know, I think that's a good example of that. So, Michelle, last year uh, we saw a lot of people uh, initially starting to work from home, you know, for a while. And, you know, as uh, and now that the uh, the, the work from home is maybe going to continue and people are going to be expecting that it's going to be going on for a, long, a lot longer. And maybe as Wi-Fi improves, you know, as it, as it gets expanded, do you think more people will just consider that it's going to be a full time thing and uh, and, uh, you know, just decide to, to move to a cottage full time and maybe sell their city property? What do you what do you think the, the next couple of years is going to bring? It's a tough question. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, I think that cottaging is awesome. And I think that this pandemic has exposed a lot of people to a whole lifestyle that perhaps they hadn't considered. And I think that they're going to love it <laughs> because it's nice to be able to be out in nature and to be, um, you know, have your own private space, which, you know, as the cities become more expensive uh, and more populated is, is, you know, something that is more valuable, I think, than ever before is having that little bit of isolation in your own little piece of paradise, as you say. Um, I think that right now the cottage market, and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not as close to this as all the realtors are, you know, but it's expensive. And, and I, do, I do think that it's going to be, if not already, um, keeping people out of the market. It's just affordability will become a bigger and bigger issue. Um, and, I, and I think that's true in the cities. And now we're seeing that trend accelerate in cottage country too. So, you know, as we look through this summer, it will really be interesting to see what happens. And again, if those people who bought you know, pandemic cottages are going to keep them or if they're going to sell them. My, if I had to predict either way, and again, this is just me predicting based on nothing but my intuition is that people will love it because it's fun and they like cottages and they'll keep them And it. You know, I don't, I, I have trouble seeing the prices coming down too significantly. Um, but again, I, you know, it'll just be interesting to see. I, I'm certainly not, I don't want to be making predictions there because that gets you in trouble, but that's my feeling for sure. Well, I think that, uh, you know, in real estate, you know, uh, as in anything, the laws of supply and demand are undefeated, right? I mean, yes, I think sir. that, um, you know, and if uh, supply doesn't increase then uh, and demand stays where it is, then prices will continue to uh, to go up. So David, because of all of that, yeah, sorry, uh, go ahead. What, I'm curious to know what you think is going to happen. Well, I, I agree that, um, uh, you know, once people have them and they enjoy them and if they could afford them before, they can afford them now and they will hold them. So mm-hmm. I think that and um, and, you know, as many businesses, you know, some people um, you know, are going to have to figure out whether they're going to be working from home, you know, and and uh, and, and yep. if it becomes a permanent part of their their circumstance, I mean, uh, even uh you know, even where I am in Ottawa, people are saying, well, I don't have to go back to the office a lot. And then so they might not be buying on a cottage necessarily, but they're certainly in a smaller town or, or you know, an hour from from Ottawa where they wouldn't have even been able to contemplate that before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that, that there's a lot of that is going to have the realities are going to be a little bit more permanent. Um, and and if they have to go in a couple of times a week, then they then they fight through that traffic a couple of times a week rather than rather than five five times so mm-hmm. um so I, I i i can't imagine if you found a good spot that you would you would give it up anytime soon you know mm-hmm. um because i think that people are enjoying it so much um so given that 
I just maybe answered my own next question. Is, is that, um, uh, what's the availability of cottages going to be like on the market? I don't think it's, uh, I think people are going to hold on to them. Do you see that something like that happening? Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a lot of listings. I think that we're going to continue to see, um, you know, very high demand and low supply. That feels like about right considering everything that I've seen in the last little while, even per- personally sort of having my occasional moment where I'm like, well, maybe we should buy a cottage now and being like, well, where would we buy that cottage? Yeah. Um, it's tough. I, I think that that's going to be the big game changer. Yeah. And, and just the last little bit on that is if people do buy them, do you think that some of them might, their economics might be uh, about that they would rent it for a time in order to, you know, help with the, the, the capital cost and the operating costs? Absolutely. That, that, is complete. Like, I mean, we hear this all the time. Uh, we, we're buying a cottage and we're not even going to use it for 20 years. We're going to rent it out every summer. Um, renting out your cottage is so easy, easier than it's ever been, right? Because of these big um, Verbo and Airbnb, you know, and all sorts of other um, rental agencies all throughout Ontario. You know, there's so many opportunities to, for that. They do the, op- the marketing for you, um, you know, even a cottage rental we were hearing in January, there was basically no rentals left, you know, and, wow. and all of the clients that we work with have waiting lists that are hundreds long, you know? And I think that that's, that's because a lot of people did buy and, and that's again, a trend that's been accelerated by the pandemic. It's been, it's been years now that this whole renting thing has sort of started taking off. And I think that it can, it can really be a bridge for a lot of people, you know, who get their cottage, just what you said, and then they rent it out for the short, medium term. And then perhaps they will, they, they plan to retire there or every summer they take back another week and they have another week until, you know, they're only renting a couple of weeks to finance, you know, upkeep uh, of their, of their, their property taxes or whatever the case may be as they can afford it. So I do think that that's a, absolutely going to be happening more and more um, and perhaps too again this is just conjecture but the people who bought pandemic cottages as i've been calling them like maybe as they travel they want to go abroad or they want to go to the states or wherever they're going they can rent their places out and and they can keep them because they can afford to travel and you know have their vacations paid for with their rentals so i think i think that's just going to again give more opportunities to lots of different people to access cottage country and in not actually have to buy a cottage yeah we will be back after this short break join the aria realtor research community to have your say when it comes to the services aria provides the recommendations we make to the government and the strategic priorities of the association you'll receive exclusive content and be entered into monthly draws every time you complete a survey Visit joinarearesearch.com to sign up and join an exclusive community of realtors making a difference. Joinarearesearch.com. So this, unfortunately, is going to be the second summer of the pandemic uh, throughout uh, the world, basically, here. And in, in, in obviously, we know about how the popular the cottages were in 2020. Uh, as far as trends and uh, accessories that go hand in hand with cottages, uh, last year you talked about pink flamingo floaties being <laughs> something that people wanted to accessorize. And, and you know what? If you have a cottage, are you going to invest in a boat or a kayak or a canoe or water skis or something like that. Are you are you seeing any sort of trend that that may be beneficial uh, to people selling these sort of projects, moving or uh, these sort of uh, 
um, I guess, uh, toys, I guess you can toys, say, in say a sense, toys, right, yeah. uh, moving yeah. forward in this 2021 summer? Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, you couldn't find a boat in Ontario last summer. If really? people were really into boating, it was a big deal. Um, and I think the same thing, you know, will, will happen again. Boating hasn't gotten any less fun. <laughs> and all these new cottagers <laughs> want, you know, all these new cottagers want boats. And um, I think that a lot of cottagers, not to mention, you know, the economics of the pandemic have, has meant that a lot of people have access, you know, have you know, the news this week has all been about this morning. In fact, on the radio, they were talking about how Canadians have have saved a lot of money and it's just sitting in their accounts and they're just waiting to spend it because they haven't had to pay for childcare and hockey and all of the things, um, vacations abroad, you know, all of that stuff. So they have a surplus of cash and they want to spend it. And, and, you know, everyone's sort of anticipating that this will be the summer. And I think if you're a cottager, like boats are a good idea, you know, they're fun and it's a way to get out on the water and enjoy. It's a great pandemic activity. Yeah. So I do anticipate that that is going to be um, something that continues. Yes, for sure. Um, and, you know, not to mention new cottagers mean you need more of that stuff. You didn't have it before, whether you're, you know, it's, whether it's a stand up paddleboard, it's a, you know, blow up raft, it's whatever the case something, may be. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff. If you got a new cottage, you know, you want stuff for it. And so I, I do anticipate, um, I know we have the cottage life show every, every, uh, spring and every fall. And usually that's the time where we sort of get a real idea of what people are buying and what those trends are, because we have hundreds of exhibitors who come to the international center. And, um, you know, we didn't, we had virtual shows this year, which, you know, were great and gave an opportunity to our, our um, audience to come and talk to exhibitors and vendors of, you know, all sorts of cottage products and services. And I think, you know, as we look to the fall, you know, we're not sure if it'll be an in-person show or not. Of course, we hope for that. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see, like, what is the hot thing that people are, are buying? Like, what is it that we can't keep on the shelves? Because I think um, it will be something. I don't think it'll be a pink flamingo floaty, I think it'll be something a lot more substantial because yeah. people have the money for it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of people having the money for it, so in the age of uh, social distancing, are, are you finding uh, consumers placing an importance of renovating boathouses to create more space, to, to you know, make something bigger than what they have on their property, uh, mm -hmm. kind of in the spirit of social distancing uh, and, and to spread things out a little bit more? Are you seeing that sort of trend? Yeah, that's an interesting question right now. You know, lumber has been so expensive yes. the last, you know, months. And we've heard, we put out a story last week in one of our newsletters, Dockside DIY, uh, that was, it, it's all about building and renovation at the cottage. And uh, it was about, you know, lumber prices and are they going to come down? And we had so many responses from people saying that they're delaying projects because they don't want to pay for that. You know, a new deck, a new fence, whatever the case may be. Um, but your question is actually quite interesting because another trend that is happening, and is how, this one is actually quite separate from the pandemic, is that more cottages are multi-generational, right? So, you know, um, a family, you know, if I have siblings and our parents had a cottage, you know, our parents are the grandparents now and we have the little kids and they want to spend time with us, but they don't really want to spend time with us at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. So wouldn't it be great if Michelle and her kids were out in the bunkie, you know? And I think that makes more sense, like not just because they're, they have to be separate, but because more um, families are using one property. Yes. And I think that, that is very attractive <laughs> for the people who maybe don't want to wake up at six o'clock in the morning or who want to stay up later. You know, there's lots of different variations on that theme. And I think 
you know, that again has nothing to do with the pandemic. That's just a trend in cottage ownership and in, in having these multi-generational cottages. So that's a big thing. Although I, I do say, you know, when, in regards to buying a property, I think a lot of people do buy with an, with an eye to down the road when I have a larger family and I want my kids to be here. And this is our way to stay connected to them as they age and as they grow their own families. I think it's really important if you're buying a property with that in mind, crucially important, in fact, is that you really look into local building regulations and building codes, because sometimes you actually can't build bunkies. You can't, you, you don't, perhaps your property doesn't have enough setback to build anything apart from what's already there. You may not be able to build a boathouse. So again, that's something that I always say to people who are buying, like really lean on your realtor for that, who should really know what's going on in that specific lake. Um, and you know what the regulations are and what you are what you can and cannot do because that really does vary from municipality to municipality yeah I mean I, I uh, just continuing again my, my my famous little purchase that I did you know he wants his kids to come out and so we had to make sure that the septic would comply the water quantity and quality would you know that that, that he could build what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and that the septic that they wouldn't make him start over on the septic so we did a bunch of research before he did that. So there's a bunch of questions that are good ones to ask to make mm-hmm. sure that what you envision um, is uh, is going to be possible. That's right. You know, um, everything's possible with an infinite amount of time, money, and uh, and uh, and resources. But you want to make <laughs> yes. sure that you, and patience, and you got to yeah. know what you want to do. Yeah. So you talked about rentals, Michelle, and uh, and you know just uh, and the long waiting list. So what's the what's the best option for people? Is is it is it really a um, or is Airbnb an option or, or you know, what do you think? Or, or is it everything's basically uh, uh, book solid or, uh, and maybe uh, people are, are um, not going to find something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so I mentioned earlier how I'm renting a place on uh, Canada Day weekend. And it was shocking to me that I got that place. I just booked it a few weeks ago. And it was just sheer luck. She had just put it up. She had just sort of bought it and wanted to rent it. And it was her, this her first summer renting it. Um, so... I also, as I was cruising around Airbnb that day, I noticed that there are people who have, you know, large rural acreages um, renting out portions of their land for people to camp on for $300 a night. You know, it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's slim pickings, you know, and, and people are, because of which, because of that, people are charging a lot. Um, it'll be interesting over the next little while. There's a couple of factors at play. It's only recently that they opened up campsites. And I think that that will drive, if people can get a campsite, then I think that will drive a lot of people to, to that instead of going in uh, and maybe having a cottage, which, you know, is good. Um, also, I'm interested to keep an eye on what happens with the border because there's a lot of American cottagers, of course, who have not been able to access their properties to going on two summers, potentially. Um, so, you know, right now they've expanded access, but they haven't really expanded eligibility as of today with the announcement for July 5th. So that'll be interesting to see if, if Americans can't come up, if perhaps they will rent out their cottages, um, to, you know, make a little bit of extra money for this summer. Um, but really, again, if you haven't, if you do not have a rental cottage by now and you're banking on rentaling, you're going to have a very tough, tough time getting a rental, even though more people than ever are renting out their cottages, it's still, very, very low supply for high demand, sadly. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, uh, Michelle, you recently conducted Cottage Life's Great Canadian Cottage Survey. So everybody could check that out online as well. But can you kind of give us uh, some of your most interesting findings from that survey and what you kind of took away and went, wow, I, I wasn't expecting that or that doesn't surprise me at all because... Right. 
Well, I mean, I've been doing, I've been working on cottages for a very long time, so it's definitely hard to surprise me. Yeah. But uh, I will say one thing that did sort of surprise me, and it has to do with rentals, there's quite a few, um, you know, renting is, is, a, is a potentially problematic thing in cottage country. And I think sometimes that cottagers who own are actually more afraid of what rentals might mean than what they actually do mean. And I think it's really incumbent on owners who rent out their properties to be sure that they are vetting who they're renting to and mm -hmm. that they're making the renters well aware of what some of the problems and what some of the pain points are. You know, noise is an obvious one, um, but also just not overloading, not washing your hair in the lake, not, you know, being really sensitive about the environment, which, you know, full-time cottagers overwhelmingly, in fact, in this very survey showed um, 80% really believe the number one concern about the environment is the quality of the, of the water in the lake. So, you know, if you're renting out your place, make sure you're telling your renters, Hey, don't wash your hair in the lake. That's a real no, no around here. And it's not good for the lake. And here are the reasons and sort of working together to, to sort of, um, you know, a renting code of conduct almost, I think. So that I definitely see through this survey that renting has, it's bubbling up to be you know, it has been sort of growing over the years into an issue and it, and it is bubbling up into a bigger issue as, mm -hmm. as time goes on. And I think, it, again, it's owners and renters really need to work together because renting is here to stay without question. Another thing that came up that I was I was actually quite surprised about was about wake boats. Wake boats are um, one of the fastest, uh, sorry, last summer wake boats sold like hotcakes you know again I was as I mentioned earlier there wasn't a lot of boats for sale but it's a growing segment in the boating market and these are big boats that you wake surf or you wakeboard behind they yeah. create a really large wake and oftentimes they're problematic because people who drive them will drive them close to shore and they'll just go back and forth and back and forth and the waves will crash against the shore and the dock and um and that can be very bad for the shoreline which again feeds back to lake health um so I was surprised because quite a few cottagers really want those boats banned um, or at least want some restrictions placed on the drivers and the, the, the drivers need education on how to operate them properly, which I, I think is the way forward there, you know, myself is, you know, I don't believe that these boats are going to go in, going away, but I think that we can do better in the way that we operate them. Um, so, so I think that was sort of surprising to me that that has become such an issue, you know, and, and I think, again, this is all sort of part and parcel to the fact that there are more people on the lakes, there's more people using the lakes. So these are the kinds of shared use problems that are going to be more uh, common uh, as we go. And again, it all ladders back to the fact that cottagers in general really, really care about the health of the lake and the lake environment. So anything that's happening on the lake, whether it's people washing their hair or using a wake or whatever it is, is going to be sensitive, right? So um, that that was kind of something that I found interesting in the survey, if not entirely surprising. And it'll be interesting to see next year when we do the survey again, how, how that has changed, how people feel differently on, on those issues, at, you know, after another summer yeah. of uh, pandemic cottaging, as you say, under their belt. <laughs> I thought it was uh, a really great survey and and really interesting stuff. And, they, and some of your, reader, your readers had strong opinions on how comfortable they would be having Americans coming up just yet mm -hmm. as well. So that mm -hmm. was actually an interesting finding as well. So mm -hmm. I'd encourage people to look at it. Um, you know, as we were winding down here in the conversation, uh, Michelle, you know, I want to talk about the Cottage Life podcast. Ah. Um, you released the first set of episodes last summer and talked about everything from entertaining and cooking at the cottage to the sounds in nature. What was your favorite episode? 
from last season? Wow, what a good question. What was my favorite episode? Well, you know, it's so funny. I'm a total chatterbox. So this, this plat- the platform of podcasts are great for me because I could just go on and on and my producer sort of in my air saying, wrap it up the whole time. Um, we had a really interesting conversation. Um, it's actually kind of funny. On the eve of the um, protests around the George Floyd murders in, uh, murder, excuse me, in uh, the States, we had a wonderful journalist, Elamine Abdul Mahmoud, on to talk about a piece he'd written for Cottage Life magazine, which was about why cottaging is so white and, and why is it that traditionally people in cottage country, uh, cottagers are, are white. And it was, a, it was a great article that we did in the magazine. And so we had Elamine on the podcast the, the very morning that, you know, that, that was happening. Um, and I think that that, that story continues to be, you know, as we've all gone through a year now since then of really thinking deeply about diversity and inclusion and how we can do better as Canadians. I think that that episode, it was episode three of season one, it really has resonated with me so much. And just having the opportunity to talk with him about why it is that uh, people of color um, don't have the same representation in, in outdoor life and in, in outdoor like um, sort of environmental, sorry, cottage and culture, if you will. Um, it's actually really interesting to think about why that is and, and w- how we can actually work to change that. And this this summer, it's, it, you know, uh, again, uh, on diversity and inclusion, we're having a great chat on episode three of season two's podcast with David A. Robertson, who's a wonderful journalist out of Winnipeg, a member of the Norway House Cree Nation. And he he is t- talking to us about the difference between appropriation and appreciation when it comes to Indigenous culture, which again, could not be more urgent as a discussion right now in, in this country. So I think um, the podcast has really given us an opportunity to dig deep into those kinds of issues, um, which is, you know, are sensitive and difficult to discuss. So I've been really lucky to have those those chats. And also, you know, something I, I love about the podcast is just listening. We, we have a segment in each one. It's an essay that we've written in the uh, magazine over the last almost 35 years of publishing. And we've, we've run some beautiful essays in our time and it's, we are reading them out on the podcast and it's just great listening to, you know, having them read and then hearing feedback from people who, you know, I did, I got to the cottage and I just left it on because I didn't want to get out of the car. I wanted to hear the end of it. And, um, you know, those are really evocative essays that I think any cottager can really relate to. So it's been interesting to sort of go through all those news stories and see them in a different light. And the podcast has been such a wonderful thing to work on. So it's been really fun. I am definitely going to go back and listen to that one that you described. I'm going to find that. So obviously this is season two. Um, mm-hmm. So you're, uh, you're off and running, I'm sure. So when is the next one uh, out and uh, where can people find it? Yes, I love these questions. Um, so the first episode of season two premieres next Wednesday, June 30th, and that's on all major podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, all of the ones that you have. Also, um, you can download it on cottagelife.com, um, cottagelife.com slash podcasts. And um, if you even go right now to any of the podcast platforms and subscribe, you'll be the first to get the episode when it comes out next Wednesday. And then we have episodes, new episodes every Thursday. Um, just in time, we keep saying just in time for your drive to the lake. And that we kind of, it's funny, we're like, do we release it? Really, when are people driving to the lake these days? We don't know because they're going at different times. So not true. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, well, we'll go with Thursday and hopefully that'll be enough time for people to get it. But so yeah, that comes out next week and we're really excited about it. It's going to be a great season. And when's the next uh, issue of your Cottage Life magazine coming out? Thank you for asking. Yes, it's going to be coming out um, just after July 1st, just around Canada Day. It's our August, September issue. And uh, it's a great issue full of 
sort of, we're calling it our good vibes issue, feeling like this is, we need some good vibes after, you know, a really long, hard year, year and a half. So um, a really beautiful story about an old cottage in Muskoka is on the cover and I'm very excited to share it. It's going to be really great. So that comes out Canada Day. So my last story about cottage life uh, before uh, Dave wraps up is that my uncle had a cottage on uh, on Charleston Lake, not far mm-hmm. from Kingston. He was from Kingston. And uh, I never liked that cottage growing up because I um, uh, I did like it. But I my, my I was asleep in the backseat of the car on the night that they landed on the moon in 1969. And I couldn't figure out why we weren't driving home. And I was still asleep in the backseat of the car with bugs on me while my parents were watching uh, <laughs> them land at two in the morning uh, on a crappy little TV at the cottage. So everybody's got a story of some great stuff that happened at a cottage yeah, life. And so, that's a great one. So anyway, thank you very much for the conversation, Dave, back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's leave it on this here. A final takeaway. Uh, and I want the Michelle Kelly go to uh, cottage cocktail or mocktail recipe. Do you, do you have something that is essential oh. on a, say on a Friday night uh, as oh. you're, as you're kind of uh, chilling out for the evening? Well, I'm going to reveal to you, Dave, I'm not a picky drinker. Okay. So <laughs> if it's made for me and given to me and I can put my feet up and drink it, I don't care what's in it really. But these days, what am I having the most? I, I do enjoy a um, Aperol spritz. That's my kind of my go-to at the moment. Um, not too sweet, not too sour, kind of goes down easy. And so, but again, I, I, I'm happy really. I'm not a picky drinker, (laughs) but I would say that would be the thing I'd choose. Michelle, finally, anything else you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? Anything we missed or anything you want to comment on? I mean, you guys, you ask me every question. I'm I'm a little bit stumped, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I think there's been so much controversy. You touched on COVID. You know, there was so much, particularly last year at this time. Should I go to the cottage? Am I allowed to go to the cottage? And I think that if anything we've learned in the last year and a half about the cottage community, locals versus city people versus cottagers is, you know, we're all in this together. It's kind of a cliche to say that, but it's the truth. And, you know, as cottage country, you know, we are expanding big time and there are more people and it's happening and we should all be looking for ways to embrace that instead of ways to, you know, to cling to the, to the past, because I think it's, it's, it's going to happen whether, you know, no matter what, no matter what, more people are moving into cottage country and embracing cottaging, which is great. More people to take care of the lakes and to, you know, be more aware of the environmental concerns, I think is, is only a good thing and, and to support local businesses up north. So I think welcome. That's what I'd probably leave it on. Thanks for this, Michelle. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, David. It's really nice to chat with you both. Thank you. That was a great chat with Michelle Kelly. Don't forget to check out the newest issue of Cottage Life magazine out now and the first couple of episodes of season two of the Cottage Life podcast. New episodes are out every Thursday in the summer. Before I go, I want to remind you that Aria has officially extended access to LifeWorks, a 24-7 well-being solution for another three years. This means that Aria members and their families have access at no cost until 2023. Visit aria.com forward slash LifeWorks for more information or to access the service. The ARIA Standard Forms team is continuing to offer Forms Webinar Wednesdays. If you missed any of their previous webinars, such as Forms for Brokerage to Brokerage Communication 
and new member Forms and Claws Must Knows, you can find the recordings on the Standard Forms webinar landing page on aria.com. The next one is coming up July 28th at 1 p.m. and is titled A Closer Look at Commercial Forms, followed by Working Your Magic with Clauses on September 29th, also at 1 p.m. And don't forget to take the Are You a Forms Rockstar quiz. You can find the quiz when you visit the Standard Forms landing page on aria.com. That's it for today. From ARIA President David Oikel and myself, David Bastel, stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon. Visit aria.com slash podcast for more information, links, and a full list of our episodes to date. New episodes are out the second Tuesday of every month. Hey.